0: Welcome. This is Anastasia Glova bringing you the Cato Daily Podcast. Be sure to log on to our website, www.cato.org, for a full archive of our podcasts as well as many other audio offerings. The Cato Institute's Conference on Freedom, Commerce and Peace in Belisi, Georgia, wraps up today after three days of lectures, talks and seminars by policymakers, experts, scholars and journalists from the Confederation of Independent States and surrounding nations. Joining me today over the phone is Cato's Tom Palmer, who is currently in Tbilisi, attending the conference. Why did Cato choose to host this conference in Georgia?
1: Well, there were a number of reasons. One is that though Americans may not view it quite that way, Georgia is rather centrally placed, given the range of countries and issues that we were concerned with for Eurasia. Right there in the Southern Caucasus, it's at the crossroads between Europe, Asia, and the Middle East. It's, in fact, relatively easy for many people from the former Soviet Union and Central Asia, from Iraq, Iran, Turkey, and other countries to get to. And also we had a very, very good local partner the New Economic School of Georgia and the active support and participation of some of the liberal reformers, notably Kahlik Benderkidze, the State Minister for Coordination of Reforms in Georgia.
0: And can you share some of the highlights of the conference so far?
1: Well, it's been, in my opinion, quite a success so far. We still have one more date to go. But I think that the presentation on liberalization of trade and finance was really outstanding, especially the presentation by Boris Begovic of Serbia, which dealt with the wide array of non-tariff barriers to trade, the bureaucracy, the paperwork, the difficulty of getting goods across borders, and the vital importance of free trade for not only prosperity, but the development of civil society, and above all, for peace in the region. His presentation was outstanding, and he has a great deal of experience in trade negotiations and as a professional economist in the Balkans. So that was, I think, quite a highlight. We also had Andrei Ilarionov gave quite an excellent presentation entirely in Russian, but we had translations into Georgian and English on the relationship between political freedom and personal freedom and economic freedom. Really quite outstanding and very sophisticated statistical analyses. And then finally, two that stood out were the Prime Minister, who gave the dinner speech this evening, and gave quite a catalog and quite a description of the process of economic reform in Georgia. That was really quite something. And then finally, the discussions of taxation, and the very dangerous impact of punitive tax policies. Poland is a good example. One of the Polish economists talked about why the Polish model has stalled. And he says it's because they've adopted the German labor regulations, they've adopted a punitive tax system, and consequently so much economic activity has been driven into the black market, and unemployment is quite high. They've taken a wrong turn in Poland. And that's something that he wanted to make sure the other people there from many other countries learn from.
0: And over the course of this conference, have you seen any consensus emerge as to the policies or social phenomena that present the chief obstacles to economic liberalization in Eurasia?
1: That's a very interesting question. There are representatives here from 28 different countries, so there's a wide range of different conditions and obstacles that different people have to face. In many cases, a lot of them are fairly familiar to Americans. Bureaucrats don't like to lose their jobs. That is a standard source of opposition to slashing bureaucracy. Cutting state or governmental budgets is difficult because every dollar that's cut from the budget is a dollar that someone got, and they will fight to retain that. It's called rent-seeking in economics. So most of those are pretty familiar to people. There's another element, however, which is a concern in some areas about change and having a dynamic market economy. The general consensus, however, is That people have figured out that if you want to remain poor, having a big bureaucratic government with a large budget and a complicated tax structure and state ownership of industries and protectionism, that's the way to stay poor. And if you don't want to remain poor, you have to embrace classical liberal principles, limited government, free trade, independent judiciary, political democracy and fundamentally restrict the state to doing a certain limited core function and doing it well, rather than trying to do all the other things that should be taken care of by the institutions of civil society.
0: What do you expect to come out of this conference?
1: Well, there are basically three things that I hope to come out of this conference, and I think that we're on the way to achieving them, uh, even though the conference isn't even over yet. The first is to build a network of committed people from all the different nations here. There are 28 different countries, people who will support each other, people who will share ideas, and to make each other know they are not alone in supporting these ideas. This is so important if you're in Uzbekistan or some various countries that have really difficult problems of achieving reform. You have friends, and they will support you and give you moral support and other kinds of support. That's extremely important. The second is to provide inspiring stories of success, of political leaders, of policymakers who have had the courage to do the right thing, sometimes to pay a short-term political cost. As I said, for every dollar you cut from the budget, or ruble, or lorry or so for every unit of the currency, someone is getting less. And they are going to fight over that, some special interest or some group of persons. So you have to pay a short-term price, but there are enormous long-term benefits for your country. And it can be done. Cases like Estonia, we're having Mart Lahr, the former prime minister of Estonia, speak tomorrow night at our concluding banquet. An amazing success story from communist poverty now to being a rather prosperous country. And what is happening in Georgia this evening, it can be done but it takes determination and courage and just old-fashioned stubbornness. The third thing, which we're on the way to accomplishing, but it's a longer-term project, is assembling stories of success and stories of failure, countries that did it right and countries that failed and see what we can learn from that to be able to guide the classical liberal reformers, the advocates of liberty in the future, so that we can hit the mark more often and lead more people to a world of freedom and peace.
0: And do you expect to see measurable policy changes in the right direction in coming years?
1: Actually, yes, I do. And indeed, we've just seen it in Georgia. Our friends who've been active here and the work that has been done by Cato and other organizations in Georgia has actually paid off They have been implementing reforms. They have moved dramatically in the ratings of groups such as Transparency International in terms of corruption. It has fallen quite dramatically in this country. It's not zero. It isn't zero in any country, but the change has been enormous here. In addition, the cost of doing business has been slashed dramatically. They have a long way to go. It's not perfect, but they have made real measurable policy changes with very, very positive consequences in terms of the rate of economic growth in the country and the growth of civil society, which had been stunted for so very long. I expect that we will see that taking place in other countries as well.
0: If you enjoyed this program, consider subscribing to Cato Audio, a dynamic 60-minute monthly recording that brings you inside the Cato Institute for highlights from exceptional one-of-a-kind lectures and events on key issues of the day presented by nationally known scholars, authors, and political leaders. Cato Audio is available on our website as well as on iTunes and audible.com.